Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. And there are fix and flips, obviously. You can get in and fix and flip a thing and get out next month. But if you want to make true wealth, it's not that. It's 10, 15, 20 years of accruing assets and just letting time do its thing. And if you do that long enough, you're going to do pretty well. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Anthony Vicino. Anthony is joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He is the managing partner of Invictus Capital, which is a vertically integrated syndicator focused on value-add class B properties in the Twin Cities. They have over $40 million of assets under management. Anthony was a previous guest on episode 2,519. So if you Google Joe Fairless and Anthony Vicino, these episodes will show up. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. And how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me back, Ash. It's good to be here, man. It's our pleasure. Anthony, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah. So high level, we are a vertically integrated private equity firm based out of the Twin Cities. So we buy multifamily assets between like 20 and 80 units at a time. That's our sweet spot. It gives us a nice competitive advantage. And 
what makes us a little bit weird in the space is that we don't really work with capital raisers. We don't really work with partners at all. So we kind of do everything that we can. So we have property management company in-house. We manage our assets. We don't do third party, just our own. We raise capital to go and acquire these assets. And our whole thesis is if you take care of the residents, that takes care of the building. It takes care of the investors. So that's just what we've been living by. And it's so far been working pretty well for us. Have you ever used capital raisers? We have. In the beginning, there's nothing against the capital raisers at all. That can be a fantastic avenue to go. It was just for us, we realized with our personalities, we're kind of control freaks and that we like to be ultimately accountable for everything that we do. So introducing other partners into the equation, sure, we could have scaled quicker. If you want to go far, you go together. That's one of the maxims that we believe in. But for us, it was just recognizing, hey, we don't really want to have other people in the equation that ultimately we can't control their actions, can't control what they do or say. So we wanted to keep that in-house as much as we could. And out of curiosity, back in the day when you did use capital raisers, what percentage of the GP did you give up for that? So that's an interesting question. When we get into capital raising, how do we compensate for that? You got to be super careful, right? Because unless they have some kind of brokerage licensure and you're a broker dealer, you're going to get into this weedy area about how do you compensate. And this is one of the reasons we went away from using capital raisers is just understanding from an SEC compliance perspective, it muddies the waters a bit. And so you have to find other ways to compensate and saying, okay, everybody's going to have an active role in the asset management, or maybe they're signing on the loan or bringing a little bit of the earnest money. So they're taking an active component in it. So what we would do is, we would figure out, okay, your compensation is not tied to how much capital you bring into the deal because that's now no-no. So we tie it to saying, okay, here's the roles and responsibilities that everybody's going to fill on the team. And then everybody's responsibility is to go and raise capital. So therefore, what people are actually making money for is over here and not over here. And this is something that we had to walk through with our SEC attorney, make sure that we're staying on the right side of it because it can be kind of tricky. Yeah, it is a great area for sure. So how do you guys raise capital now? So we do it in-house. It's a, we eat what we kill type of situation. So concurrently, while we're out there operating our assets, we're also trying to find new deals. And we're also out there working with investors and raising awareness for the types of deals that we do and bringing them to the pipeline. So we kind of have three different pipelines that we have to keep an eye on. The operations, the deal flow, and the capital flow. The capital flow for us, we've been very blessed. It's been very robust. And in recent years, it's been, there's more capital out there than there are deals. I think a lot of people are getting turned on to syndications, multifamily, real estate, commercially. So it's getting harder and harder to find really good deals at Pencil. It makes sense. But there's a lot of money out there in the system, especially in the last couple of years when people were saving a ton and there was a lot of stimulus going out. So there's a lot of capital trying to find yield right now. So we've been blessed on that side. And our whole approach to raising capital has been lead with education. We wrote a book, published it last year, and it was sitting on Amazon in the top 10 for the better part of the last year. We have a podcast that we put out multiple times per week. So we just try to put out as much education as we can. And as a consequence, people, if they come and invest with us, that's cool. But really our main objective is just to get as many people turned on to the fact that they can invest in these vehicles, whether it's with us or it's with other operators in different asset classes. We just want to see more people get off the stock market roller coaster and get onto Main Street. All right, Anthony, you guys, like a lot of people, your bottleneck is deal flow. What do you say to those sponsors who have plenty of deals, but don't have the capital? And they say, yeah, it's easy for you to say, you've got a ton of money sitting out there waiting on you. You hear it all the time. People say, if you have the deal, the money will follow. And I think the harsh truth is that that's just not true. (laughs) The money follows if people know who you are. That's the biggest issue 
for everybody in the space, in any business, is overcoming obscurity. In the early days, nobody knows who you are, and therefore they can't help you along your journey. And so even if you have a great deal, if nobody knows who you are, it's going to be very, very difficult to get in front of the people that can actually help you. So if you want to raise capital for your deals, you need to be thinking about it well before you ever actually need the capital. You need to be networking and creating those relationships with either the LPs and the investors directly that you want to work with or with the capital raising partners who that's what they focus on. Because I think there's a lot of value in being hyper specified in what you focus on. If that's just, you're the deal flow person, focus on that and find your partners who are good at capital raising. If that's your unique skill, lean into it. For us, that's not quite our path. We're a little bit more broad and generalized, but I think in the early days, specifically when you're starting out, it's helpful to pick an avenue and say, this is the thing, this is the role that I'm going to fill on the team and I'm going to fill it really well and then find those people who can complement it. What does your team look like today? On the Invictus Capital side, it's me and my partner, Dan Kruger. And then underneath of us, we have our admin team, which is overseeing a lot of investor relations, onboarding and just documents, taxes, all that stuff. And then we have a marketing department because Again, when we're leading with education, that means putting out a lot of content. And that means having a pretty well-oiled machine on that side. The actual operation side is Invictus Management. And we have about 270 units under management currently with another 220 coming online here in the next couple of months. So about 500 by the end of the year. And the way that really pans out is one operations manager, two property managers, a handful of leasing agents, and then a handful of maintenance and repair. And what we try to do is we try to group our assets geographically so that we can get the synergies of scale as though they were one big complex. That way our management team isn't having to run around. Because if you remember, we focus on 20 to 80-ish units. So it's not big enough to justify on-site 24-7 management. So our team has to be a little bit mobile and nimble. And would you recommend others focus on the 20 to 80 unit space? Honestly, yes. I think it's a forgotten middle. A lot of people, when they first get into real estate, they do what I did. I went with a triplex, I house hacked it and did an FHA loan, nine months later, refinanced it and went bigger and bigger and bigger. But for most people, they get really scared when they start looking at 20 units and they're like, oh, that's a couple million dollars. That's a different level of commitment suddenly. So a lot of people never successfully make that jump. And on the other side, when you're looking at 80 up to 100 units, that's a little bit too small for a lot of the really big institutional players or really big operators. They're looking for more scale. And we hear a lot from people saying, you got to go big, you got to go big. And what we found is if you can realize some unique advantages of geography, I think that's really helpful. You can focus on that forgotten middle and there's a ton of money to be made there because the people who own those buildings typically are your mom and pops. It's not BlackRock that owns that 32-unit building down the street. That's some guy and gal that bought that thing probably 25 years ago. They have really maybe low debt on this. It's not being operated great. And so there's opportunity to go in there and add value. And you can't just have one because that 50 to 70, man, that's a painful area to be in, right? I think so. Depending on how you want to run. And that's always understanding what's the desired outcome. Are you going to manage these things yourself? Are you going to build a property management company? Because I'll be completely transparent. We chose to go in-house property management, but that is not the right play for most people. It's trading one set of problems for a whole other set. When you go with third-party management, you can scale quickly. You rely on the systems and the processes of these experts, people who this is all they do. The consequence, you're not getting their best work though, because they're not owners. And so you don't end up controlling that end product as well as you could if you did it in-house. But if you do it in-house, you're going to scale slower. It's going to be harder because you're going to have to deal with more people issues. And that's always 
the slow, cumbersome part is hiring and training and retaining talent. So understanding if you're going to build this thing in-house, you're going to need to hit scale. And so you're going to need multiple of those 20, 30, 40, 50 unit buildings. Otherwise, you're going to be kind of bleeding money and bleeding time. And you can't afford to bring on really great talent and really great systems until you hit a certain threshold. Anthony, you mentioned you've got more capital than deals. What do you do to the investors that are not able to get in on your deals? That's a good question. So again, we lead with education and our goal is not to get people just to invest with us. We want people to invest in these vehicles as much as possible. So here's the other thing. We're landlocked. We only focus in the Twin Cities and that's not right for all of our investors. Some of them want exposure to other hot markets. If you want Phoenix, if you want Nashville, we're not going to be your operators. And so we want to be good stewards, not just of our deals and what we do, but we also want to be able to connect our investors with the groups that are going to serve them the best. So we take a very active role in understanding what is our investors' goals and then how do we help connect them? And we're not getting any kickbacks. We're not getting compensated by making recommendations to other operators or other groups. It's about trying to do the right thing for the investors and saying, we only do so many deals in a year. So we're not going to be able, if you have X number of capital, probably not going to be able to service it all. But here are the groups that we know and like, because we've been in this industry for a long time. We have really good relationships and we've seen them and how these other groups operate. So we can say they get our seal of approval. I would go and operate with them if if you have more capital. Because you're in the Twin Cities, I would imagine a lot of brokers bring you guys deals because you must be well-known out there. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And is that how you find most of your deals? It's interesting. The big advantage of being local is that it's your backyard. Everybody knows you and you know the rules, you know the street by street level. It's your unique edge. It's awesome. It makes it very hard for people coming out of town to compete with us and get deals off market because we're probably the first call. So in the early days, it was hard to get in the door with the brokers. But then once you started to establish your track record and show that you have the ability to close and that you will do what you say and not just retrade at the 11th hour and cause a headache, once you start to build that relationship, what ends up happening is in any given market, there's usually a handful of players like owners that own the majority of the the inventory. And if you can create strong relationships with those people, well, in the future, maybe you did a deal with them initially through a broker. But the next time they have a building to sell, maybe they just give you a call directly. And now the broker is not being involved. Now you're getting true off market. And that's really been our MO. So we're acquiring a little over 200 units this year across 11 different buildings. And that's all from a relationship with a seller who last year we bought something through him with a broker. And then six months later, he came back to us and said, hey, I have another building. Would you guys like to buy this thing? And then through that transaction, he's like, actually, you know what? I want to sell my whole portfolio. I have 11 other buildings. Do you guys want it? And we're like, perfect. So it starts with the broker. But then if you're intentional about how you maintain the relationship with the seller, generally sellers have more buildings to sell. It's not usually just the one, especially in this 20 to 80-ish unit space, they usually have more. So that's been our strategy is play a long-term game with these sellers and maintain the relationship. Don't look at it as a single transaction. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years. And he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. 
You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Anthony, you started out small. What's the advice you would give somebody trying to compete with you? How can they score the next deal or what gives them the highest competitive advantage to get the next deal? (laughs) It's interesting. This is going to be a weird tangent, but I started training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu about seven months ago. And there's this gap between when you're new to something like your ability, your skill is very low compared to everybody else that's been doing it for a long time. And so the only thing that you have to compensate with is hustle. So if you can't out technique them, you outwork them. And if you're just starting out right now, you're not going to be able to out technique me, but you probably can't outwork me at this point because Every deal needs three things. It needs time, experience, and capital. Right now I have experience and capital, but I don't always have as much time as we're out there operating these things and managing our relationships. And so you might be able to beat us to the punch and get a deal. So if time is what you have on your side, really lean into it, outwork us. And then if you find that deal, understand that there are no competitors in this space. It's just people that you haven't partnered with yet. And so it might be we are competing over this deal right now, But the next deal you come up with, you might say, hey, maybe this is a good fit to actually partner with these guys. If I bring you the deal, can you guys bring the operations and the capital? And we look at that and say, yeah, we might be able to do that. Great advice. I want to circle back to something you said earlier that I actually believe in. If you have the deal, the money will come. But having this conversation with you made me elaborate on that a little bit. And it's if you have the deal, you can get the money no matter what. You can sell the deal to you. You could get a finder's fee. But if you have the deal and you have the network and knowledge, you can get a lot more money for your deal. But no matter what, like just having the deal, you can certainly get a finder's fee at the very least. If we know you though, you still have to be able to get in the room with us. A good case in point is we had somebody that brought us a deal two years ago and it was a cold email. We never met this person before. And in the email, we looked at it. We're like, that deal looks too good to be true. This must be spam. He had sent this message out to 20 different operators in the Twin Cities. And we were the only ones that responded because we're like, well, worst case scenario, it's spam. And we waste uh, 15 minutes, but the best case scenario, it's a unicorn deal. Turned out to be a unicorn deal. (laughs) But I often think about that. If we hadn't made that phone call, would somebody else have? And maybe they would have, maybe they wouldn't have. But it definitely helps if when you go to reach out to us and you're saying, hey, I met you at the best ever show last January or February, whenever it was in Colorado. Hey, we sat down and talked. I'm like, oh, cool. I know this person. That's going to help get you through that. So don't just 
spend all your time looking for those deals. Also be looking for the people who then you're going to help do something with that deal with. Yeah. Knowledge and network is so important. I agree with you. Who on your team is responsible for capital raising? That's me. The way that we kind of split the company is every business has three legs of the stool. It has an acquisitions department, which is how do you get customers in the door? Then you have an operations department, which is how do you fulfill on the customer's needs, the product and all that stuff. And then you have a finance department, which is how do we manage the accounting, the bookkeeping, cash flows, all that stuff. So the way that we think about this is I handle the acquisitions, deal flow and, and capital flow. My partner, Dan, handles the operations, making sure everything is running smoothly. And then he also handles the finance because I hate spending money. So anytime we have to pay a bill, I die inside, <laughs> even if it's $20. Anthony, what systems do you use to manage investors and capital specifically? Capital coming in or capital waiting for the next deal? Whenever we have a live deal, we're using Appfolio for investor management. So that's our portal that investors can access and see all their K1s and tax documents and all that stuff. Handles the distributions, very helpful. From a CRM perspective, we use Active Campaign, which when it comes to raising capital, that's really what this is. Like you need a customer relations system. And whether that's MailChimp, Active Campaign, hobble together Google Sheets, you have to have some way of retaining information and conversations that you've had with investors because at a certain point, you're going to have had so many conversations that if you don't have a way of tracking that and maintaining that, you're going to get lost really quickly. But the other side of it too is one of the crazy revelations that we've had is when we first started raising capital, we thought that we were going to need thousands and thousands of investors to achieve our goals. And in reality, we only have about a hundred active investors. And at any given moment, we can raise around $10 million pretty casually. So that tells you you don't need a ton of investors in your pool. You need to have a small, committed group of ravenous fans that want to continually invest with you. But I think when a lot of operators are first getting into the space, they think they need to have way more investors than they in reality do. All of the education content that you put out, is that for potential new investors? Or how many of your existing investors consume that content? That's a good question. So we kind of bucket it into multiple categories. So if you think about the book that we wrote last year, Passive Investing Made Simple, that's really for people who are brand new to the space or people who are mildly familiar. They've been in this and they understand some of it, but they want to take their game to the next level, but they're not experts. There are podcasts that we put out. We do four episodes per week and those episodes are kind of split. Some of it is geared towards Uber beginners. But we also try to bring in some content for the more advanced investors. So, okay, how do we deal with estate planning and tax management and liability and all these things that as you start to accrue more assets in life, you need to spend more time thinking about because in the early days, you spend all your time thinking about how do I make money? And then later in life, you have to spend more time learning about how to keep money. And those are two different skills, making money versus keeping money. So we try to address our content towards both of those sides. That's incredible. And I want the best ever listeners to pause for a second and listen to that because I think so many people focused on acquiring investors, acquiring properties. But once they have the investors, what are you doing to continue to educate them or continuing to add value to them? I love that you do that. That's incredible. Where do people find your content? Well, we put it out on all the social media platforms. We have a fairly large, large for us, and we're in a very niche space base, obviously, YouTube channel and the podcast. Those are pretty large organic 
traffic generators. And honestly, when we published the book last year, we were anticipating it just being something that we would give out to people that come into our sphere. It's kind of like a glorified business card in a lot of ways to say, here, you can learn about what we do and how we do it. What we discovered though, is that book just did so well on Amazon and it's remained so high in the rankings there that a lot of investors come to us specifically through that. They had never heard of us. They just went to Amazon. They wanted to learn about investing. They found the book, read the book. And then next thing they know, they're listening to the podcast. Now they're hopping on a call. Now they're investing. And it's been really interesting. The more content that we put out, the easier the investor onboarding calls become to the point now where in the early days, rewind two or three years ago, we would spend about 45 minutes to an hour on a call with an investor because we had to walk them through who we are, what we do, all that. Now, when we get on a call, it's 15 minutes of, okay, you know everything about us. You've gone and listened to all our content. You've consumed it all. What questions do you have for us? So we can address it in a much more pinpointed way. We can be very quick and direct and it's made the whole process so much easier. It sounds like it's just the obligatory call to make sure you're real. Exactly. Check the box. Is there a real person there? Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. What systems are you using to vertically integrate all your businesses? So I would say there's a handful of softwares that if you were to take away from us, we would be lost in the woods. So we use Appfolio for the investor management, but we also use it for property management. And the property management side, that software is way more robust. It's fantastic. From the capital and the management side, how we integrate it all is this weird combination of Google Drive, Dropbox, and Notion. So Notion is kind of our main hub where everything else is then directed from that. Our central node that anybody coming into the company, all our systems and processes, everything's there. And then everything's stored in some combination of Google Drive and Dropbox. And it's worked really well. I've built multiple companies in the past, and that's more or less the structure that we use with the exception of Notion. That's relatively new in the last year for us. Anthony, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Real estate is not a get rich quick game. It's get rich slowly, but surely. So make sure that you're playing it on the long horizon. Because if you do, you're going to win. It's inevitable. You'll get to where you're trying to go. Just extend your time horizons. With real estate, this is not a get in. And there are fix and flips, obviously. You can get in and fix and flip a thing and get out next month. But if you want to make true wealth, it's not that. It's 10, 15, 20 years of accruing assets and just letting time do its thing. And if you do that long enough, you're going to do pretty well. Anthony, it's been a little while. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, hit me. All right. What's the best ever book you recently read? Ooh, I read a lot. So this one is tricky for me. I just read Risk Game, which I think is a book that most people probably haven't heard about, especially if you're a real estate investor. This was new to me. Somebody recommended it. It's a story of Francis Greenberger and Time Equities. And if you ever wondered how somebody goes and builds a skyscraper in New York City, what kind of person that is, this is your book. Like, It's fascinating. Awesome. I'll write that down. Anthony, what's the best ever way you like to give back? What we've been working on this year is rental relief and figuring out how can we help our residents in our properties navigate those traumatic moments in life where for whatever reason, they fall a month behind in rent. Because generally when evictions happen in a class C, class B space, it's because somebody's car got damaged or somebody ended up in the hospital. If they could just float a month or two of rent, they would be okay. So we've been developing a program internally for our residents so that for residents that are experiencing those kind of traumatic incidences, they don't get displaced from their home. We have a, a fund that they can float through that month or two and survive. Awesome. 
And Anthony, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? You guys can reach out at InvictusMultifamily.com. I mentioned the book a couple of times and you can go pick it up on Amazon. It's Passive Investing Made Simple. Or if you want a free copy of the book, here's what you got to do. You just go and you leave a review for this podcast. Go to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this thing. Leave a review and then shoot me an email, Anthony at InvictusMultifamily.com and say, hey, I left a review for that podcast with Ash and then I'll send you a free copy of the book. That's all you got to do. Anthony, what do they search for to find your YouTube videos? Go to Multifamily Investing Made Simple. And that's the name of the podcast as well. Okay, awesome. Perfect. Anthony, again, thank you for being a return guest. The theme for today that would solve so many problems for so many people lead by education. It's amazing just how many challenges you can overcome by just giving away value to everybody around you. And you've built a great company by doing that. So thank you again. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Ash. We'll circle back next year. Let's do it for sure. Best ever listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share the podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.